0: It's not, it's a tan. Uh, luckily, it looks a lot better than it did uh, Friday. I was really scared uh, because I looked like I had a bad skin disease. As my face was like peeling and opening up um, with just weirdness, I would like wipe my brow and skin would just flake off. Sorry to disgust you. but I got to vacuum my bed when I get home today. Uh, but but um, we were able to spend uh, some time in Hawaii. It was awesome. If you ever get a chance to go, I would encourage you to go, Um, and we're back, and we're happy to be back. Um, How many enjoyed worship in the round the way that we kind of, December 22nd through last Sunday, did worship, yeah? Enjoyed it, it was fun. How many enjoyed um, Gene Heacock? Anybody here for Gene Heacock last Sunday? Yeah, he was great. I heard a lot of good news. I wanted to... um, I wanted to tell him just how much we appreciated and, uh, the reports that were coming back to me and of his talk, but yet I don't. he's kind of older, and so I don't know if he really understands text messaging. So um, we'll pray for him, uh, and, and hopefully we'll be able to share the reports. Um, if you know him, just encourage him to check out that little green bubble uh, on his phone so that he can respond. Anyways, uh, we're going to get into uh, the message this morning. My name is Daryl Temple, just in case you didn't know. Um, half pastor, half comedian, or try to be. I wanted to be a comedian, actually, um, in my 20s when my dad told me, son, pick a different profession. I didn't know that it would be pastoring um, because my dad also said, son, pick a different profession. But um, here I am, so I'm trying to do both. Um, If you're here, uh, you know that we're starting a new sermon series. It's only going to be a two-week job. Uh, It's called Our Good Friend Religion. Yeah, Um, it's funny. I was um, sharing the details of this sermon with my wife when we were in Hawaii, because it kind of just came to me there, I think on the plane, I don't know if it was the Lord, it, I know, it was just like sleep deprivation or something, it was just a long flight, I don't know, but, um, you know, it's like, oh, we should we should do this series, and I, I got into some of the details of, like, what I wanted to communicate, and and I gave her the name of the series, and she kind of looked, you know, how, if you're married, when your wife kind of gives you that weird kind of, like, eyebrow, like, <laughs> I I don't know, I can't even really articulate it, because it's so, like, you know right away, okay, she's not happy. And she's like, well, that's a bit confusing. That's a bit misleading. I'm like, that, that's, that, it's perfect then. Because, you know, she's like a black and white type of gal. So, like, everything is either this or that. And I'm, I like to think of myself as an artist. I'm probably not uh, a good artist. <laughs> but I like to think of myself as, like, that abstract painter, you know, just, like, throws a bunch of paint on a, on a, on a, on a thing and just, like, it's art, you know? Like, look at it, it's art. And, and so um, I always try to be... Artistic. Anybody relate to that? I feel like there's some frustrated artists here this morning. Well, maybe unrecognized artists. And so I try to be a little bit different. But I think it's good, and I think it's necessary for this sermon series. And I want to first just kind of clarify the way in which we're using the word religion this morning, right? Because I think that's where we get hung up, right? Because religion can be associated as being a good thing, right? I mean it it, it it has throughout you know history been seen. I mean what we're doing today, we're what we're we're practicing our faith, our religion. We're coming to church, gathering, assembling together, worshiping together. And so we need to clarify the way in which we're, hey, listen, if I spit at you, I'm totally, I don't know how to uh, control the stuff that comes out of my mouth sometimes, so um, I'm going to come back a little bit, uh, but I apologize uh, beforehand, you're like, that's awkward. Well, you know, if you're sitting on the front row, you'd probably thank me. Um, but anyways, we want to clarify the word religion, um, because again, it can be associated as being a good thing. For example, if you take James uh you can turn there if you brought your Bibles this morning. Uh, James says, "Religion that is pure and undefiled." And so, sort of like right away, we discover that religion can be pure and undefiled. And I imagine if it can be pure and undefiled, it can be impure and defiled, right? And so there has to be an ugly side of this thing too. But as James goes on, he says, "Religion that is pure and undefiled before God—that means God accepts it too." So, here, wow, God accepts like there's there's a religion that is pure and undefiled and accepted by God okay that's pretty cool because you need to really be careful in charismatic church when you use the word religion we 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 kind of clout as like non-religious people like we're charismatics I mean we raise our hands during worship we're charismatics like our music is loud we're charismatics we speak in tongues Charismatics, we prophesy, we're charismatic. Like, so that's, like, we it's kind of separate ourselves because we have this title of being, like, spirit-filled. We, we, like, kind of separate ourselves and remove ourselves from any kind of possibility of being religious. And and those things that I mentioned have nothing to do uh, biblically uh, with what really religion is. And what I mean uh, in this sense is the ugly side of religion. And so if you don't believe That religion actually has an ugly side. Well, you can turn to Colossians uh, 2.23. And and this is the way that we're going to use this word. We're going to be using it not in the way that James uses it, but in the way that Paul uses it in its negative sense, in its ugly side. Okay? This should make a lot of charismatics here happy. Right? Because, you know, we're just always throwing stones at the Baptists. You know, you're religious. Your music isn't loud. You're religious. You called out Corey Asbury for his reckless love song. (laughs) I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we're just like, you know, automatically just categorizing and like, okay, those guys don't accept this and that form of religion and faith, so they're religious. But here is the negative side, the ugly side of religion in Colossians 2.23. You can turn there. Paul says, These now, he's not mentioning people here. This was what we need to understand. He's mentioning philosophy and practices that are are a result, excuse me, of certain philosophies that are unbiblical. So these uh, have indeed an appearance. So this philosophy, these practices, have the appearance of wisdom, promoting self-made religion. but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So, right there, I know I skipped a little bit of the verse, but we're going to kind of track it a little fast. So you can see it there, the whole thing. Uh, but I, I use those two scriptures to kind of, I, I guess, um, show or, or kind of express or, or define the differences between what is, right, pure and acceptable and undefiled religion that God accepts and, well, uh, what Paul kind of unearthed for us as a philosophy essentially worked to devalue the supremacy of Christ and the adequacy of salvation. Now, now we don't have time, really, and it wouldn't even serve the purpose of my message to kind of unpack Colossians chapter 2, but you can look at it, actually the whole book, and kind of see the things in which Paul was confronting in these people and kind of just trying and working to recalibrate in them and kind of reorientate their focus uh, on Jesus and the true gospel. But it wouldn't necessarily serve the purpose of today's sermon to get into those weeds. And so I essentially just want to use it to give us a biblical, I guess, starting point of these two words. This word used in two different ways. And again, just to say, we're using the word religion in a negative sense, we we are not using it in a positive thing, and so we're looking at the ugly side of religion. And what I would like to just encourage us all this morning to do, if you can mentally, and even spiritually, um, don't dis, uh, don't don't kind of remove yourself from the possibility of you being religious. Listen, uh, uh, we're. We, Rather you acknowledge it or not, we are all faced with this tendency to gravitate towards a form rather than God. You know, rather than true, authentic, undefiled, pure worship. We all have it. I have it this morning. I faced it like three times in my life where I, like I, I just want to make... Uh, my, I want to conform kind of to rules and I'm hoping that through conformity I can somehow gain the approval of God. I mean, it, it happens. It sometimes is clear and overt and right in front of your face and other times it takes you by surprise. So we're all in this and we cannot, guys, we cannot remove ourselves from the possibility of being religious just because we pray in tongues. Okay? That's, that's, listen. I, don't, I, I know that there's a lot of static, there's a lot of noisy preachers, charismatic preachers trying to confuse the issue. And, and, and they're trying to tag people and label people as being religious just because they have certain problems maybe with theology of the charismatic church or certain songs. But, but it is good. This discussion should happen. And we shouldn't be quick to label these people as just being religious. We should listen with open ears and an open heart. But what I'm mainly going after today is, one, to just look at. I, mean, I don't know if we're necessarily going to see it historically. Maybe we will. I think many of us can already go there. Um, you know, when you think of uh, the religionists of Jesus' day, those zealots, those religious Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, I mean, we can see how this thing works. But what I'd first like to start with is just kind of, you know, Express that the church throughout history, guys, has had a long, interesting relationship with religion. Uh, again, I think we can start with just the leading um, religious leaders of Jesus' day, right? Um, they were kind of like a horrible movie with an epic trailer. <laughs> kind of like the New Star Wars movie. Anybody agree? <laughs> uh, Oh, you got some haters here. That movie was terrible. Okay, let me just. But though that, though, though, okay, I got a couple fans. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. But, but those trailers were epic, right? I mean, you just watch those things. You're like, i got to see that. I mean, usually I, I, I'll wait a little bit. But if I see an, a trailer that I'm like, wow, I will go opening day. I will move heaven and earth to be there the very time it opens. And so that, it was one of those times where I was just like, I gotta be there. When this thing hits the big screen, I gotta be there first day. And so I got my tickets, my son, his uncle, and his uh, little cousin, we all went. And that movie was terrible. That, that, it, it, it's, it, you know, everything looked good, like right in the marketing phase. It's kind of like what the uh, religious people were like. Uh, in Jesus' time, everything looked good from a distance. It's like, wow, those guys look flashy, man. Look at those robes. Look at that little prayer thing he's got hanging from his head. Those beads he's twirling in his hand. Man, those guys look, they must know God. But then when you get close, you realize, my goodness, something is off. But it took a prophet to kind of call up what was off in these people. It, it, it took Jesus um, and the forerunner John, uh, the Baptist, to really hit the uh, uh, the head of the nail with the hammer when it came to these guys, to see past the veneer, if you would, in the falsehood of their faith in religion and to call it for what it was. So if you take, for example, you can turn there with me, and we're probably going to park here for a little bit in Matthew 23, uh, starting in verse 25. Now, you know, I, I can't help to see in... Studying Scripture, how many leading um, uh, theologians and and scholarly people want to downplay the intensity a- a- and the confrontational side of Jesus? I was actually, I can't. I mean, listen. The verse starts off with "Woe to you." Now, if you study the word "woe," you <laughs> Them's fighting words. Jesus is ready to start. But I see these scholars and they just kind of smooth up. Oh, Jesus' heart for them was pure and he loved. And I agree. I'm sure his heart was pure. I mean, he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. He can't sin. You know, he, can be angry without, he can be angry without sinning. But yet he was intense. He follows it up with hypocrites. I guess that's a little better than John the Baptist who called them a, a brood of vipers. Uh, I mean, but hypocrites. I mean, let, let's just say, if I was to talk to one of you today, and the way I let off my conversation was, woe to you. And matter of fact, in the chapter, he did it like seven or 11 times. I don't even know if it's like either seven or 11. I can't remember. It's called like the seven woes that Jesus proclaims over the Pharisees. But yet he is starting a fight. We need not to smooth over the intensity of Jesus. He was an intense figure. I mean, listen, he goes to the cross. Yes, because, well, it's the will of God to put him there so that our sins can be atoned for, that we can be forgiven, right? But yet that boy had a big mouth that ultimately irritated and frustrated the people around him. And you're probably in your seats and you're like, yeah, kind of like yours. Uh, I get a little excited when I talk about Jesus. I just think it's natural. I don't know. When I look at the scripture, when I study these topics, my heart comes alive. And all I know to do is yell. All I know to do is spit and sweat and throw my arms up in the air. I mean, I just get intense. And I believe that intensity was in Jesus. And I believe that that intensity was here visibly in Matthew chapter 23
1: he says woe to
0: you pharisees and scribes hypocrites for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate but inside you're full of what greed and self indulgence wow those seem like really smooth words to me jesus way to make a friend way <laughs> Way to get them open. You know, I'm trying to work your hearts open to receive God's word today. Jesus said he just let the pieces fall where they may. You know? He's like here it is. This is what you are. You know, deal with it, repent, put your faith in me or perish. Luckily, I mean I can't say that I'm not Jesus. And so but in essence, what Jesus is confronting is the, the outward conformity, the, the, um, the appearance of things, right? I mean, uh, let's, let's face it. Like, like the church is good, at, especially in 2020. Actually, we are getting very good in the age of social media. Uh, I, I, listen, I throw Hilltop out there too. We are social media junkies. Uh, we like to make everything look as beautiful as we can. It's rather hype and over-exaggerated, and when you get here, you're like, really figure out who we are, and then you have to make a real decision to stick around. Uh, but but we, we live in a time, and the church is really good at this, at just putting out the right material, putting out the right appearance of things, and we do it individually. Uh, my, my, myself, I was thinking about my trip to Hawaii. There was one day that rained. You think I'm Instagramming that day? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I don't want you to think I had a bad day. And I didn't, because football was on all day. So if it was going to rain, it seemed like a fitting time to rain. We just kicked back in the hotel room and watched the KC game. And we watched Baltimore get their butts kicked. Sorry, Baltimore fans, but not sorry. Glad you lost. Um, but I'm not going to put that out there. I'm, not, I'm only putting the good stuff. Like when I'm out I, on South Point, what is it, the the most southern part of the United States and there's cliffs and rocks and oceans and so, I'm just, the, guys, be jealous. Look at me. You know? But we're good at just putting out the false pretenses that everything is good and that's what these guys mastered. These folks were experts at it. And, and it's funny that in, in their expertise of, of just putting out this falsehood, this kind of image, um, they would... Um, major on the minor details of the law. Uh, They had numerous, numerous rules uh, that they would uh, apply to everyday kind of life and and live. I mean, guys, they even had a law regarding what to do with the spices in your cupboard. I don't even know what spices are in my cupboard, okay? I don't even, like, like, but that's every little iota, jaunt and tittle, and they would kind of, uh, I, I, I'm trying to find the right word, but they would um, exaggerate and fixate over the smallest things. And all the while, they would neglect the very brokenness in, I'm trying to find another word, brokenness in, in kind of, uh, I can't find the word, it's going to come to me. But they ignored the condition of their hearts. I mean, don't we get this from God in Scripture? that he desires truth in the inward parts. Like it doesn't matter like how you came to church today dressed and you know all polished. Listen, thank you for doing that. By the way, I'm I'm so glad that you cared about your presentation, that's good. I'm not saying let's come next Sunday and be a bunch of, you know, whatever. But um, what I am saying is we need to care not so much about how things look and how they appear up here and what's going on in this church. We need to be fixated over what's happening here because what's happening here is what really matters. And, And what's happening here really kind of solidifies whether you or I are religious or not. Because true religion, like the bad, ugly side of religion, is cleaning up everything here and neglecting everything in here. That is what ugly religion looks like. But we have quite a good relationship with this side of religion. It's easier to do. It it, 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 it is. It's, It's easier just to maintain the appearance and the look of things. It's, it's work to actually open up your heart and let the Lord get inside there and transform that thing and, and take your anger away and take your depression away, take your loneliness away, take your jealousy away, take your offense away. That's hard work because it takes something. It takes pressing in. It takes forgiving others. It, it takes work. And so the natural kind of response is just to like, Let's just work on the appearance of things. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I would venture to think that this was things in which um, some of the religious people of Jesus' day struggled with. Because not every Pharisee, not every scribe and Sadducee was a bad person. There was actually... When Jesus came onto the scene and when John came onto the scene, there were people uh, in that camp that that longed for sincerity, that longed to understand what was happening uh, with Jesus being born, this Messiah who would take away the sins of the world. You take Nicodemus, for example. Here's a man who is somewhat uh, interested in inquiring from Jesus. What are you all about? He's hungry. He's not just somebody who's going to sell Jesus out. You know, of course, there were plenty that would and did put Jesus on the cross, but we don't need to lump them all together listen um, the the main problem is when we decide to do this under you need to listen here the pretense of truth right that 's the biggest no no You know, I think this could have been done and possibly was done outside of the Sanhedrin and all uh, uh, these religious leaders. But I think it frustrated and made Jesus even more kind of intense because it was happening in his house. A place where he declared, you know, no, I want truth inside. The appearance of things. Listen, uh, like that doesn't concern me. Listen there's a lot that happens even inside the church, even inside this church, right? Let's just, let's just call it out, all right? There, there's a lot that happens that has the, the, the name God on it that has nothing to do with God. You can have a form, guys. We can have a form. Nice little pretty church that smells and looks like, has all the feels of church. We can have the culture We can have the cool Christian branding, you know, that says, hey, look at us, we're religious, come follow Jesus. But there's only one thing that really matters. Uh, It's not necessarily the brand, it's not the cool style, the cool uh, platforms that emerge in the stuff that we do as a church. It, it, It really comes down to what God is doing inside of our hearts how, how Jesus is transforming our lives and, and, and transforming us more into the image of Himself. That's really what matters. R- religion that doesn't put into practice what it preaches is dangerous, guys. It is dangerous. And ultimately, this is what Jesus confronts in the church in His day. He confronts a people who know a lot, hear a lot, lot And because of that, say a lot, but do nothing with what they preach. How how many can relate to that? I know I can. I'm I'm your pastor. Well, maybe some of you don't consider me as that, but I'm up here preaching, and so that kind of. Anyways, um, (laughs) but but I, I feel the tension of that. And you can frown at me all you want. One day we will give an account with what we did, with what we knew. You cannot hear things over and over and over again. You cannot read things over and over again and do nothing with it. You will be held account. You may get by now. But there will come a day. There will come a day when you will give an account. And I'd rather be faithful now. I'd rather move in the fear of the Lord now. Now. And act now and, and, and do um, uh, things with what I know now, not waiting to be held. Now, of course, I think even in my attempts of doing, I will still be held accountable for the things I didn't do. And I'll have to face that as we all will. But let's, that might be a little heavy for Sunday morning. I don't know. Um, it certainly wasn't in the New Testament. It seemed to become kind of commonplace in the New Testament. We've come a little bit more uh, desensitized, and you know, like it's weird in the church today. We just want people who are going to tell us what we want to hear, and, and and unfortunately, the Bible already gives an account for this. It actually says that this is what we'll do. This is what the people of God will do. They will look for people that actually just tell them what they want to hear. And those will be the people that rise to the highest, the highest platforms in the church. But I, I don't know. I just I can't bring myself to do that. I can't bring myself to do that. I don't think we should settle for it either as Christians. But let's move on. Let's put a pause there. Let that weigh on our hearts a little bit and let's move on. Um, You know, I've always, I guess, uh, you know, I think I'm over 20 years in um, uh, salvation, meaning uh, 20 something years ago, gave my heart to Jesus, decided to follow him, be a disciple. Um, And... You know, the one thing that I've noticed in the church throughout my years and have been reluctant to share about, not just as a pastor, but just in general, is the lack of honesty in the church. Um, and I don't know, I, I just figure, like, with grace and forgiveness, we should be some of the most honest, kind of transparent people on the planet. It's like God is going to forgive us, so why wouldn't we uh, be that way? But um, I've all, I've always I've also excuse me, noticed a trend where... I don't, I don't know if it's because of peer pressure or, or why it exists, but I've always noticed a certain, and I'm, I'm including myself just in case you think I'm not, but um, I can't help but notice that we try, we work, and I might be repeating myself, but this point I think needs to be made. We, we work uh, extensively at trying to make everything neat and tidy on the outside while internally we struggle. Um, you know, it's like the illusion that everything is awesome when it fact, it's not. Has anybody seen uh, the Lego movies? Um, Yeah. It's a prophetic movie, I think. Um, Especially that song, that little ditty. Um, I I just, I really want to give, and I think we should for Lucy, Lucy the prophet. I don't know if you remember her. She was the one, I think, who the the chosen one, I forget his name, but kind of had affection for. And, um, you know, because she actually gave us the song that everything's not awesome. Uh, and and, and I, I, I'm just going to go there today. I think we need some truth tellers in the church today. I, I don't think we need to look for controversy. I'm not trying. I, I, listen, you know, I'm announcing to you, I actually want to be liked by you. It's really a struggle and a pressure that I go through. And I know partly uh, that uh, has to do with what I say, you know, because what I say could Kind of be that deciding factor if you like me, if you like this church or not. Um, but but besides all that, what we really need is not just, uh, I don't need as a pastor my likability you know, to increase. I don't, I don't need more likes. I would like them, but I don't necessarily need them. What, what I want to do and what I want to be as a pastor is a truth speaker. One that will take chances. And I kind of want to be in a church where we all take that risk. Where, where we can stand out In the midst of a culture that sings, everything is awesome, everything is cool when you're part of the team. I don't know why I'm singing like the BJs, BGS, but it sounds good. Uh, but, But we need truth tellers just to emerge on the kind of church scene and say, no, everything's not awesome. Everything's not all as it should be. I'm just wondering how many daring Christians we have in the audience today that can not for the sake of being controversial, that's not what I'm saying, but if, if you're discerning something is off, something is amiss, maybe, maybe God is just raising you up to be that person that takes that chance to say, no, this is not all right. And maybe the extent of that only affects your own life. Meaning, you know, for me, I'm not necessarily always looking at the church It's like, no, not everything's awesome in them. I'm looking at my heart. Lord, not everything is awesome in me. I can't help but think that, you know, if if more people came to that understanding in Jesus' day, what a beautiful... Thing that would have been but we have the opportunity because now we know we, we know we see in these religious people what not to do we see through the stories of the gospel what not to be what not to say how not to act not that we're just, like, ascribing to some kind of model and some kind of, like, oh, if I just do this, then I'll achieve that. But we can see. We can visualize. We can see the story. We can see how these people opposed Christ. And we can say, no, no, I don't, want, I don't want to prescribe to just some kind of outward conformity to rules, tasks, and all these things. I want the true kind of internal transformation of my heart. And thank you, Bethany. I got one person. Listen, if you're gonna clap, then clap. It's okay. It's commit to it. It's good. Go ahead. It's awesome. Listen, we're, we're, we're this isn't golf. We're not like you know. If you feel it, do it. You know it's, clap? It's good. Um, and it's it's just good. It's it's uh, it's good. We're kind of like a holler back at your boy kind of church, right? I mean, so I'm, all right. Oh, hey, so, I mean. I just, if you're going to clap, clap. It's just awkward if you don't. <laughs> Is anybody getting anything from this? Yeah. I feel like I'm... <laughs> I, I have, throughout my... I think, entire Christian life have struggled with hypocrisy. Um, I have no problem with throwing myself out there and and using my own life as an example. Um, It's something that I am even now struggling with. Um, And I'm thankful for the grace of God and and the Word of God because He is lovingly leading me through uh, this battle with hypocrisy. And he is lovingly leading me to truth and in and, and loving truth more than I actually love to be liked and, and, and loving truth more than I actually would love this church to blow up because we just had, you know, every sermon was just exactly what everybody wanted to hear. But you know what? Here's the deal, guys. Everything is not awesome. And we have an opportunity because of grace to do something about it. But we have to get honest with ourselves. See, you know, ever heard that Michael Jackson song? I'm starting with a man in the mirror. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry for the jingles, all right? But we need to start here, guys. We, We need to... Take honest assessments of our heart. We're not, like, we're not like self-loathing. We're not, you know, there's something beautiful about conviction that leads to repentance. There, there's something liberating about that. I think I've gone over my time and I'm aware of that. Well, we're going to continue next Sunday and so there's an opportunity to finish some of these points, but let me leave you With this, something I think is, or could be hopeful. Um, So so the question comes, like, what do we do um, to save our souls from this kind of religion? Uh, James, I think, gives us the answer. The same uh, James who talked about uh, pure and undefiled religion that is acceptable to God. In chapter 3, verse 21, said this. Therefore... Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, moving quickly, um, James here, this this passage of Scripture bears some similarities to uh, Jesus' parable on the sower in Matthew 13 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. Where Jesus compares the Word of God uh, to seed in the human heart, to soil, if you remember the parable, um, Jesus describes four kinds of hearts, right? Um, one is the heart is the hard heart, excuse me, which did not understand or receive the Word and therefore bore no fruit. Two was the shallow heart. man, I can, I can really relate to this. Uh, um, being shallow in my faith, being shallow in my Christianity, but number two was the shallow heart, which was very emotional. Sounds like the charismatic church, but had no depth and bore no fruit. And then three was the cowardly heart, which lacked repentance and uh, permitted sin and coward, uh, and and uh, to crowd. Excuse me, permitted sin to crowd out the word. And then there was the fruitful heart which uh, received the word of God, allowed it to take root to produce a harvest of fruit. Listen, mainly, I think, and only why I prayed what I did and why my heart was so moved in the opening of uh, or the ending of worship is because letting the Lord soften your heart is a scary, scary thing to do because he actually does it. And there's something that's quickened in you when he does it. There, there's a new sensitivity, a, a, a new uh, response, if you would, uh, to the things of God. And, and here Jesus is actually giving us um, what uh, the word of God, what his word looks like implanted inside a heart that can receive the word of God. And it's a heart that receives, or bears, excuse me, fruit. Listen, in closing... I know I'm way past my time. Um, The lesson every Christian can learn from the hypocrisy of the scribes is that God wants more than outward acts of righteousness. He wants inward change of the heart that is consistently yielding in love and obedience to Christ. The reason I am trying to hurry here is because in prepping and preparing for this message, I really feel like there's some in here that maybe, by the grace of God, your heart was stirred. You, you know that you've battled with hypocrisy. You know that there is um, there's something about your life that seems off, and, and it's not just your it's your life in Christ that seems just a little bit. Uh, I don't like something's not right. And I believe that God wants to put to rest in us that um, that, uh, that propensity, if you would, to gravitate towards a counterfeit faith, to mainly obsess and only work on the appearance of things while neglecting the inward heart. And so I would like to have Will come to the piano. And I'm going to open the altar. And in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to invite uh, some of our core team up as we're going to pray for those who respond. Um, ultimately, I think that these next two Sundays, um, God is going to give us an opportunity to repent and become more sincere in our faith and with our religion. Christianity. And so I'm trusting the Lord in this. I don't know where everybody's hearts are. I know we've gone a long time. I know that we've prayed. I know that beyond Sunday is this Sunday. But I, I would just hate to just quickly, you know, leave this place without giving people a chance, I think, to respond to truth. Now, I imagine that some of you might have at one point felt something some kind of thing grip your heart and maybe by now it is gone it's fleeting it's but i would like everyone here to just for a couple minutes bow your heads close your eyes